0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Just One More Opinion. My name is Charlie and today we'll be taking a look at the first female-led MCU movie when Academy Award winner Brie Larson takes on the role of the all-powerful Captain Marvel. This is the last installment before the groundbreaking Avengers Endgame, so let's get right into it. It! Okay, guys, let's begin. Even though I'm not one to criticize something straight away, I think it's best to talk about the controversial aspects of this movie and all the issues I have with it first. So we get out, get that out of the way and then just talk about the story without having to insert any negative comments along the way. Cool? Cool. Well, the first thing I think many people have an issue with is, I believe, related to the casting of our hero with Brie Larson playing Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Veers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. But I gotta say, I don't understand all the bad blood people have for Larson. She, she may be a complicated person outside the screen, but hey... Aren't we all? We're only humans, and if something she once said or did didn't sit didn't sit well with somebody, I really don't understand how that could lead to people starting petitions to remove her from the project or and recast the character uh, I think that all this hate is really disgusting and unbecoming, and it originated not from her skills as an actor or portrayal of Captain Marvel, but something outside of it, which is just weird to me. In my opinion, there was nothing wrong with her casting, and she was even one of the few people I wanted to play Danvers, so I'm pretty happy with that decision. Although, there are a few problems with how the character was written and how the movie was directed that may have harmed... Uh, Larson's performance and made the character less likable. I think every time you have more than one director at the helm of a project... ...you are taking a huge risk... ...because it's really hard to find people who work well together... ...and are able to create a coherent film out of their two different perspectives. The exception in this universe would be the Russo brothers... ...but they've known each other literally their whole lives and work very well together. So uh, after the success of Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War, of course, Kevin Feige would choose them, would give them the Avengers franchise. And the two siblings siblings got to direct the spectacular Infinity War and Endgame movies. So yeah, that is the, the only exception I can think of right now. Here in this movie, we have Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, who, granted, have worked together in other projects as co-directors, but I think that the the lack of amazing success in Captain Marvel was also due to the fact that their two visions for the film had to be aligned with Marvel's plans, not only for the character and this story, but for the future of the MCU too. Maybe that's why the movie seems to be so all over the place in my opinion of course uh because for the for the character of Captain Carol Denver's they made they made her to be this very capable charismatic intergalactic warrior yes but every time she has a funny one liner or some decent banter with other characters the movie is edited edited in a way that hinders that charm of hers i don't know i feel like the The editing process was a mess. Even in fight scenes, you have trouble seeing all the combat moves because of the the lighting, for example, but also the camera work and the post-production overall. It was really unfortunate. And also, Carol's story doesn't really allow her to fully shine because of the memory loss factor of the movie. In flashbacks, you do get to see her be this very... Fun magnetic presence in the room, but when she lost her memory, she kind of became a different person. And I think that hurt the movie as well. And probably Larson's portrayal of the character who didn't have that much to go from. Um also at the start of the movie there is a big exposition moment from Annette Benning's character, which I found so obvious and bad. And throughout the movie, we don't really understand what's the bad guy's motivation or goal. But we do know it's something malevolent and immoral, reverting back to the two-dimensional villain's formula that Mar- Marvel has used for some time, which is a shame. Also, the real antagonist's reveal was kind of expected, really not a surprise at all. But I'll get into that in a bit. And overall, there was some pace issues with the film, We start with fast action, go into a slow burn journey on Earth, and then back to fast action at the end. The origin side of the story is done in a way that is indeed fresh and different, but because of how the movie was shot, I'm afraid that this wasn't the best way they could have done this origin-ish story. But oh well. Let's start talking about the characters so we can get into the nitty-gritty of the story, shall we? Like I said, the titular character is played by Oscar-winner Brie Larson. Her suit is awesome, I really like the design, and it's respectful to uh, the comics, too, so I'm really happy with that. And her personality, like I mentioned, she's very charismatic. She has some banter with with some characters, kind of like Tony Stark, in a way, Not, not really, but... Not fully Tony, but uh, apart from that because of the memory loss factor there's not a lot of personality traits that you could associate with this character unfortunately hopefully in other movies in future movies we will see her like i said shine in a new light returning is samuel l jackson who plays a young nick fury not yet director of shield and the, the, the aging technology is top-notch, really good job with that. But, oh, by the, way, by the way, there is a plot hole here, because Fury tells Danvers he works for S.H.I.E.L.D. He says that, official S.H.I.E.L.D. business. But in Iron Man 1, the movie, Coulson tells Pepper he works for the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. He still uses the full title, not the acronym, so... Um, chronological plot hole here, guys. Come on, Marvel, you're better than that. Anyway, speaking of Coulson, played by Clark Gregg, first introduced in that very first MCU movie, he is back, fellas! And he's also the age to look younger, although the actor has really good skin, either way, he didn't really need it, in my opinion. But it's really cool that I brought the character back to the big screen after the Avengers movie in 2012. Of course, since then, he starred in his own TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's still nice to see him return to the movies. In terms of important returns, those are the only two. So now let's talk about introductions, starting with Jude Law as Jan Rog, Memorable actor and memorable character, if I have to say. He's the commander of the Star Force, a team of Kree warriors comprising of Veers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, Atlas, Minerva, Bronchar, and Korath, the latter actually being a third return from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where he died. In this movie, he's not employed by Ronan the Accuser just yet, but Ronan does have a cameo or two in here. His story is significant, Is small, but I'll get into that, those specifics later on. And those are the other two smaller um, returns, if I have to say. The Starforce crew, much like their leader, are really unimpressive individuals with, with little to no personality or stakes in the story, which is Probably why Jamma Chan, who played Minerva, is going to be able to star in another future MCU project as the character of Cersei in the Eternals movie, which comes out in November. She will definitely be able to show us her acting talent there, while here she was really just another side antagonist. Moving on, Academy Award nominee Annette Banning plays two characters in this movie sort of she plays Dr. Wendy Lawson from Earth and she is the visual representation of the supreme intelligence the AI cree leader for Carol Danvers I think that what they did with the the supreme intelligence was kind of unnecessary with all these um yeah like having different representations of it to different people in a sort of dream realm, rather than it being, in, you know, I don't know, a, an actual being. I would have preferred like a of the Hutt-looking entity and some voice actor playing the character instead of it being this artificial intelligence that uses the body of the person you admire the most, which is super confusing. Anyway, I'll go into details about Dr. Lawson in a bit, because that's part of the story, so let me just finish the characters first. The talented Lashana Lynch plays Maria Rambeau, Carol's best friend and Air Force pilot as well, and her daughter, Monica Rambeau, is played by a young Akira Akbar. I am describing the age of the actress because in less than a month, Monica is making a comeback, but as an adult, for the WandaVision series, where she is played by Teona Paris, I love how characters from different pockets of the MCU come together for new projects. It's great, and I appreciate that a lot. But, last but not least, Ben Mendelsohn plays Talos, a Skrull leader and an early antagonist in the story. Mendelsso- Mendelssohn is really funny as Talos, which surprised me, and I'm so glad that Marvel will still use him for later projects. So, um, who are these scrolls, and why is Talos an early antagonist? Well, let's dive into the story and find out. We begin Captain Marvel with our protagonist and her Star Force Creed team on a mission to retrieve an informant on a planet nearby but when they arrive to secure the spy, they are trapped by a Skrull ambush, and Talos incapacitates Carol and takes her to his ship, where the Skrulls experiment on her. They use an alien technology to go through her memories, which was a clever way to show us her background and what she remembers or what she doesn't. The last thing she actually recollects is seeing a Skrull kill this mysterious Dr. Wendy Lawson, and on the verge of killing Carol, too. The rest of her foggy memories are glimpses of happiness with friends, career, hardships, and family drama. But it is in her relationship with Dr. Lawson that the scrolls are interested in. Lawson was working on some light speed engine at S.H.I.E.L.D. And the only thing they found out about, about this, this engine was that the project she was on was called Pegasus. Now, <laughs> to any keen Marvel fan, you probably picked this up right away and your jaw dropped immediately the same as mine. But to those of you who didn't realize what this meant, I'll explain or remind you. The first time we heard about Project Pegasus was back in Iron Man 2, when Tony Stark is looking through some S.H.I.E.L.D files. But it was in the Avengers movie that we found out more about what it entailed. Project Pegasus was directly connected to the Tesseract, a.k.a. the Space Stone, which S.H.I.E.L.D. added its possession and was using it for experiments and building or powering up some machines. Now we find out that Dr. Lawson was one of the scientists working on the artifact back in the 80s, making it... Like, this great bridge between the events of Captain America the First Avenger and that first team-up movie. A surprising callback that I... yeah, I really wasn't expecting that. Later on, we find out that Wendy is not from Earth, and that Wendy is not a real name. She is, in fact, the Kree Mar-Vell, and she had a space laboratory hidden away in Earth's orbit. Once again, I'll get into that in a bit, but I thought this was a great pair of plot twists really appreciative of the connectiveness that they they employed here in this movie so the shape shifting scrolls are not able to contain Veers, and she breaks out of sh- their chains using her incredible powers and combat technique and follows talos to wo- to earth where he and other three another three skulls scrolls i mean <laughs> jesus Uh, land after an emergency ejection from their ship. Because Carol still doesn't remember her past life on Earth, we have a bit of um, a fish-out-of-water scenario with some funny jokes here and there, but her shadowy arrival gets the attention of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Nick Fury and other agents investigating her business. This is when a fight between her and the invading Skrulls ensues, with Carol chasing them around town and beating old ladies ladies while at it. Um, (laughs) Fury also gets a bit of a thrill when he realizes that in the passenger seat is not rookie Phil Coulson but Skrull Coulson Skrullson who dies when Fury crashes his car. And I've got to say that due to the shape-shifting abilities of this alien race, we did get some quick plot-twisting moments, but in the, in the comics, their infiltration is so much more complex and, and, and stressful that I think here it was kind of wasted. Maybe that's because Talos and Fury will return for a secret Invasion Disney Plus series, which I'm really excited about, but still, it's, it's not wise to give us a taste of something exciting and make us wait until it's fully well-developed. In that regard, I think the movie just lost the point. Moving on. Uh, Carol loses track of Talos and the remaining two Skrulls, so she and Fury team team up to find out what Talos really wants with the Lightspeed device. Which is really the, the mystery regarding the Skrull's mission, and makes you question what is really going on. Like, the goal of our antagonists are not is not really clear from the beginning, which I think is a fun um, element of the movie. Danvers and Fury go to the Pegasus facility, and there they find some information about Dr. Lawson, which leads them to Maria Rambeau. After the initial shock of seeing her best friend come back from the dead, Rambeau tells Carol who she was, an Air Force pilot who worked with Dr. Lawson on some new experiences... Experiments, I mean, and that one day on a secretive flight, both women were pronounced dead. This is when Talos and another Skrull show up and fill in the, the blanks. They tell the Earthlings that Lawson was actually Marvell, a rogue Kree who was helping the Skrulls find a home, and that it was Jan Rog, Jude Law's character, who killed her, not a Skrull. I mean, it was kind of clear from the start that the guy was bad. Um, and they and Talos also tells Carol that she was helping Marvell take an energy core to her lab, but that's when Yon Rock showed up. So Carol was forced to blow up the engine, and the explosion gave her her abilities. She absorbed the core's power and thus became a super. Uh, some might question why why she would not die from the blast instead. It's a valid point, but it's Marvel. Let's call it the given circumstance of the movie and just proceed. When Carol realizes she's been lied to about her powers, her origin, and the skull threat, she is pissed off. The Skrulls are not terrorists, as she was led to believe. They're only looking to find a home far away enough so that the Kree can find them and kill them. They are really immigrants searching for a safe place now that their own planet is vulnerable and i was surprised that this topic the movie chose to explore i think it's really commendable that they did this with an alien race that is usually seen as wicked in the comics to show us this community struggling to belong living as refugees hunted down by the crazy cree it was really something else and perhaps the best thing this movie did. My favorite scene comes next when when they finally finally reach Lawson's orbital lab and there we find an entire population of stranded scrolls, two of which are Talos's wife and daughter whom he had not seen for over 6 years. It's so sad. And it gave more depth to his character who was not who was not primarily looking for the lightspeed engine, which was the Tesseract also on board, but actually just looking for his family. Unfortunately, the beautiful reunion comes to an abrupt end when Jan Rog and his Starforce puppets arrive and apprehend Skrulls, Fury, Maria Rambeau and Carol Danvers, who is forced into a conversation with the Supreme Intelligence. While Fury and Maria are saved by the scene stealing companion cat Goose, who is not a cat but a flurkin, an alien creature with great appetite, Carol finds it within herself to break out of the supreme intelligence control and unleash her true potential. Now she is so OP. She easily defeats her former team members, and even when Ronan the Accuser arrives with a massive Kree fleet, after yon Rock called for backup, none are able to stop Captain Marvel. She goes through every ship, every missile, and Ronan fled with great speed at the sight of Carol's full power, but not before teasing his return. Which was weird, because he died in Guardians of the Galaxy, so why make us believe that he would face Captain Marvel again? He's not even that good, to be honest. Anyway, um, at a final confrontation with Yon-Rogg, the mentor-turned-traitor tries to talk Carol down of beating the hell out of him. But she tells him, I have nothing to prove to you. And with one cosmic energy pulse, yon Rog was down. Carol sends him back to Hala, the Kree homeworld, with a message for the Supreme Intelligence. Carol is going to stop the war, all the lies, and the Kree Empire. And they better be ready for her. In the final moments of the movie, Carol leaves Fury with a special pager to use it for emergencies only, and she leaves Earth to help Talos and the squirrels find a home and put a stop to all the oppression around the universe. Fury begins work on a special project, but now his vision is reduced because his left eye was scratched by Goose, so... Yeah, that's how he lost his eye. He mistrusted the flerken cat. Okay, Marvel, um, I guess. that's Okay. And in honor of Captain Marvel, who in her Air Force days was codenamed Carol Avenger Danvers, Fury starts scribbling a very important initiative. And that is it. Captain Marvel fully discussed. She will come back for Avengers Endgame tomorrow, since in the post-credit scene of this movie we see her arrive at the Avengers' headquarters after receiving Fury's distress signal. So we'll see her tomorrow. But how did I find this film anyway? How? What is my opinion on it? Um. Well, it's all right. It's it's nothing groundbreaking. I think the story had some interesting things going on, and there were some very funny moments in there with Talos and Talos's science guy, um, for example, just providing some digestible humor. And the idea of rising up, falling and failing, but getting back up over and over and over again, never giving up, is always an important message. ...but it should have been explored in a different way, I think. Maybe with more of an emphasis on Carol as a child and as a pilot being looked down by men... ...instead of focusing on instead of focusing so much on already super-powerful viewers. But this is what we got, and it's decent enough. A solid seven in and out of the franchise. I'm pretty sure director Nia da Costa is going to make a fantastic job with the sequel... So hopefully, the character will be more fleshed out in Captain Marvel 2. But for now, I'm just happy we have this formidable hero in the MCU. Finally, because she is definitely gonna be needed in the near future. And that is it guys! Captain Marvel is here and we're ready for what is coming! Tomorrow is gonna be a crazy day, I'm probably gonna spend as much time as possible writing down every little detail as it is the culmination of 21 movies, 11 years, and after Infinity War the stakes are higher than ever I really hope to have you tomorrow for my unpacking of Avengers Endgame. So I'll see you then and goodbye.